Welcome to Show Up and Surrender. This is a podcast about life, the good, the bad, and everything that can happen in between. From those big life-changing events to something from your day-to-day routine. My name is Biddy. I'm a yoga teacher and I live in the Netherlands. I'm very excited to share the conversations that I have with you. How do you show up and surrender for yourself? Showing up by giving yourself what you need and surrendering to the current moment instead of always striving to be better or looking towards the future, I invite you to every now and then be in the here and now with me for just a moment. I hope this podcast will feel like you are sitting next to me at my kitchen table with your drink of choice, having a good conversation. Enjoy. Welcome, everyone. I am really happy to welcome back our regular co-host, Stephen Lightbound. Hi, Stephen. Hi, Pity. And I am excited to jump into a topic we talked a while back, and I asked if you were maybe interested in having an episode where we discuss dealing with a body that does not let you do the things that you want to do. And um, most people who are here probably know you a little bit by now because this is definitely not your first time on the podcast. But um, yeah, I thought maybe just a very short introduction on why for both of us, this is a very interesting topic to dive into a little bit. Yeah, sure. Sounds good. Yeah, Yeah. no, I, I, of course, it's always helpful, I guess, for people that might come new to this. So yeah, um, as you said, my name's Stephen. That's the, the introduction we probably didn't need. But uh, um, I'm a paraplegic. I have been for coming up for 27 years. So I had a, an injury when I was 16, um, 42 now, I'll be 43 in October. Um, so I've lived with this for a long time. And my injury starts, uh, the vertebrae split into three different sections um, and they kind of give things a, a letter and a number based on the sort of the part of the spine that you injured so in, in uh, medical terms I'm a, a T9 complete paraplegic which means I injured the thoracic at bone 9 and complete means I completely severed my spinal cord so I have no feeling or movement from uh, my my belly button down yeah yeah and we have, if you want to hear more about Stephen's story, we have other episodes that I will put in the description so you can find more about him <laughs> and, and his, his life, that all the things that he shared so far. For me, when uh, we were talking, I was dealing with an injury and I'm quite injury prone because I am hypermobile. And for the longest time, didn't know I was hypermobile. So I kept overextending joints and went from one injury to the other to the point where when I'm walking on crutches, people just sigh and say, again, which is always really helpful. People don't do that. It sucks, (laughs) really. But also um, dealing with a body that quite often cannot do the things that I want it to do. And we still seem both like, pretty happy people I think we're 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 always um meeting each other at good times it's always we're we're both excited about the things that we're doing and we're both leading really really full lives I think from what we see from each other anyways but 
I know from talking to you and from living in my body that it's not always easy. And I thought we can definitely not be the only people um, who are in a body that doesn't always allow them to do what they want to do. So I was really curious to talk to you and pick your brain a little bit about not only how it is to live in a body that's not giving you the freedom to do everything that you might want to do, but also has that changed over time? Because I can imagine that, I know for me, um, you find ways to deal with, well, for me, disappointment, uh, for instance. So I was really curious to pick your brain about this. Yeah, um, absolutely. I think it's a fascinating topic and I think um I don't know every day you're learning to adapt in a different way because my body's not improving and it's strange really because I think if you break your arm I mean I've I've before my accident you know lots of people only kind of it's interesting lots of people only talk to me about my life from the age of 16 onwards because they see the chair and that's what they're interested in but I've got 16 years of living before that yeah and uh i was very very i don't know if i was accident prone or didn't know my limits so i was always breaking something i've got (laughs) i'm full of scars that i picked up before the age of 16 um and what is interesting is like i've broken my wrist say and you wear a plastic cast you take your plastic cast off and your body's healed and it's recovered and in some respects i have never recovered from the injury because my body still isn't doing the things it was doing before so it's still you know in some respects it's still you know i have a spinal cord injury and i find the word injury in that is really interesting because it it's uh it it implies that it still hasn't recovered you know so all these years on and all these decades on you live with the knowledge that your body isn't is still kind of trying to get to where it was before but actually all it's doing is regressing you know so much has happened to my body from sitting in a wheelchair for so long my i've developed scoliosis of the the spine so my my back is is an s-shape now um my legs are chair-shaped because i didn't do the physio i should have done for the first few years and so my legs my hamstrings are so tight that they they are just in the position of uh like a 90 degree angle so they don't go straight anymore um and my skin is is really unreliable, uh, particularly where I sit, because it's so thin and the, the circulation of the legs from not moving and the blood flow means that I'm more prone to picking up injuries. Um, and just naturally, I guess, from kind of the exertions on a day-to-day basis, my shoulders, my elbows, my wrists are all painful all the time. Yeah. I, I, I can't remember. I, I last had a a night's sleep where I went to sleep and slept all the way through. I wake routinely through the night due to pain and have to kind of move position to kind of then free the, free the body. And it's and my arms in particular just fall asleep. So I wake up in the middle of the night, my shoulders are in pain, but I can't feel my arms because I've got really bad pins and needles and they're kind of that. I then have to move those around and that dissipates. So I, I, I'm great fun to sleep next to um, because I'm always, <laughs> I'm always moving around. And I think you learn to deal with that, but it never stops, you know, you, you become resilient, but it doesn't mean I'm not 
fed up on a daily basis from being in pain or not being able to do things and then certain things happen so having a a a 10 month old baby boy means I've had to completely like adapt again in terms of how I pick him up off the floor and you know as he gets bigger it gets much harder to lift him out of the child seat or to pick him up off the floor and particularly when he's angry or throwing a tantrum and he's thrashing around and I'm sort of having to use my core muscles that I don't have or um you know it's it's really frustrating and so I'm constantly having to kind of adapt over these past 10 months and then probably a couple of months before recording this podcast I had uh picked up a, an infection in my in my leg uh it started in my foot and all the way through being in I ended up being in hospital for for two weeks and I'm still not fully recovered from that um but I was asked all the time, like, how did you get the infection? You know, you should have known where you got the infection. Did you cut your foot? And I was like, I don't know. Like, I just don't know. I could have I could have picked this infection up at any point over the past few weeks in yeah. my foot, and I wouldn't have known. It's un- it, it was only at the point that the infection had spread through my body that I then started to feel it in my head that I was aware that I was unwell. And what happened, I was actually, you know, I look back now, uh, and actually it was quite a serious position that I was in really I was I went into hospital uh, uh they measure something called CRP which when you take a blood test at a CRP measures yeah. for kind of like infection in the body a uh, normal rate is meant to be five mine was nearly 400 and and then for a period of like wow. this and I felt like I don't I didn't know how I'd got to feel this unwell and then there was cue conversations of uh you know are you going to make it through the weekend like actually stay alive through the weekend or am I going to lose my leg and all that sort of stuff and actually those things pass quite quickly and then we just move back on to rehab and recovery but it's only now I think I'm in a period maybe uh, maybe two months on from that illness still not fully recovered but I think my body is I've sort of finally had enough if that makes sense um to the point that um I've, for the first time, really, I, I've, I've kind of, I don't know if it is resilience, but I've always been able to kind of just deal with things. The past couple of months, my anxiety in particular, I think, has really hit hard. I've really struggled with insomnia. I've been having flashbacks to being in, in hospital. And, and the, the, the remembering those conversations that were incredibly serious at the time, but then you moved away from, I'm only now processing because I, at the time I'd gone straight into, I have to recover and get better and get out of hospital. Right. And I think, um, you know, I think what prompted this conversation was, you know, I have uh, therapy on and off and have been doing for for years. But I I kind of deal with it where I'll maybe go for a a problem that I'm having and then six, seven weeks, I'll be all right, I'm done. I can leave now. And the the therapist that I had at the time was always frustrated. She's like, you're not done. We just fixed that problem that you came to see me with. So the person that I'm seeing at the moment, I've been seeing for a good few months, and she said, you know, you've got to be kinder on your body. It's the only body you've got. You know, it's done really well to get you this far. And I'm like, oh, you know, like, insert expletive. Like, I'm sick of, li- like, I'm so fed up of, like, saying you've got to be kind to you. Like, you can be frustrated at that. Your body just breaks down for apparently no reason when you're in a good place. You know, like, you're like, I'm doing things and I'm wanting to do things and I'm enjoying doing things and um and then it and then it and then it breaks down and then and then what happens is you have to then rebuild confidence 
So yes. now at the moment, I am terrified that this infection is going to come back. So everything that I do, every time I might bang my leg and what's happened is I've become incredibly accident prone over the past couple of months. I've had more bangs on my legs and cuts and grazes than I think I probably had <laughs> covered in plasters because I'm like rubbing antiseptic cream on me at all times because I just oh, don't want own. this infection to come back. And I think it's, um, and then you're right. I think what happens is you kind of get yourself ready and you head out and nobody's the, nobody's the wiser. The only difference now is probably people are the wiser because I have to wear this, uh, uh, I have to wear odd shoes because my, my foot, it was my right foot. It's probably two, if not three times bigger than it's meant to be. Yeah. And uh, where all the skin broke down, I kind of have like a wrapped layer of scar tissue now. So my my foot is 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 very different. I can't get my trainer on my foot anymore. Uh, and I can't put socks on. And I went to see the doctor last week and she discharged me from the hospital. And I said, how long could this take? Because from my knee down to my foot is like a strange brown colour now where this sort of infection has, has changed the skin. And she said oh, it might take two to three years before your fun foot gets back to normal. And wow. I was like, what am I supposed to do in winter when it's like minus three and I've got, you know, my toes out in, <laughs> I'm not yeah. wearing socks. So I think that all of that, um, then, you know, we, without taking up the whole podcast on, on my things, but I think that that has really made me kind of think um differently at the moment you know I'm, I'm sort of not best friends with my with my body at this moment in time yeah I can imagine oh there's so much to unpack there as well I think one of the things that really pops out to me as I was listening to you is that you know you work really hard to find ways to be okay with the abilities that your body gives you because it's been a certain way and you're finding your ways to build the life that you want, right? But then something changes and it's something that you, you didn't do anything. You didn't, um, I don't know, force anything that you were not supposed to force on your body. It is probably been just some severe bad luck to start that infection. And then this whole thing rolls out of that. And what is um, interesting in that is that for me, while it's something completely different, I went to the doctor with another injury on my ankle. And and I said, what can I do to prevent this? And she said, Biddy, you're so hypermobile, you can injure yourself sitting on the couch. And I was mm. like, you don't want to hear that because we like to be in some form of control, I think. And especially when it comes to a body that is failing you in certain times, it's really frustrating to have to deal with whatever comes out of things that you do or that happen to you. It's not something you do. That's exactly the point. Like you're finding a way to live your life and you're taking good care of yourself and you're doing the best that you can. And for me, it came at a point where I was actually really proud. Like I was taking such good care of my body, right? I was listening to my body. I was eating the right things. I was doing the right movement. I've had this whole routine. I was like, I've got this. And then I helped someone push something up a little bit of an incline. And that's where I injured probably my ankle. And the frustration that comes with doing, and I'm, I'm using quote marks because it's a stupid thing to even think about, but doing everything right and still it goes wrong. Mm. That is something that I have been 
really frustrated with over the whole course of my life. I'm turning 50 this year and it's been like this from one moment of frustration, like, how did this happen? Or how did I do this? To people saying, like you said, you need to love your body. You're angry with your body because it's letting you down. You need to love it. I'm like, I do love it, but I'm also allowed to be really pissed at it because it's really annoying me right now because it's frustrating and you need to find an outlet for that as well, I think. But like that whole idea of not being in control is something that I struggle with anyways. Yeah. So not being able to prevent these things from happening is something that I have a hard time dealing with. How, how do, do you, you deal do with that? that? I was going to well, say, how do you deal with that? Yeah. Well, actually, I was you. hoping yeah. you would give me the answer here. <laughs> <laughs> I think it, it changes over time. And I, I had this, um, I don't know if you know uh, Judith Hansen Lasseter. She's one of my yoga teachers. And she said at some point, I think in one of the classes that I took with her, she said, yes, but control is just an illusion we use to be able to make it through the day. But there is no such thing as control. And as much as I hate that, I think it's true. I think we mm. can we can try to influence everything that happens to our best abilities, but full control probably is not a thing, nor should it be probably, I don't know. But I've gotten to the point where I am sure that I am doing the best that I can. And I think that's what's helping me. Like I can actually tell myself, okay, so body broke down, can't do all these things that you had planned to do this week, but you know, you did everything you could. Apparently, this is the way it's supposed to be. So go scream, go cry, or go, I don't know, yell at trees or the sky or the sea. And then we'll start over again. And I think knowing that you can start over because we've done it so many times already, even though that's frustrating, it's also comforting because I know that I can gather myself back up and get through it and continue on. But in, the frustration never really goes away. It's still no. very frustrating. Plus, it's also painful. Like, all the stuff yeah. that's happening, it hurts. Yeah, exactly. I think there's always that that frustration is always underlying under the surface. And it doesn't take much for it to come back. And I guess the way that I deal with it is, I, I you know, is experience of so many things happening that you've built up credit to know that actually... If you are in a funk, it won't last. So actually, you'll you'll you you know I might feel really bad and like really fed up for a week or two weeks even or even three weeks, but it won't last because you'll then go right. I have to get going again. I have to kind of start again, and um, you know, as you said, that element of control. Uh, you know, I can't feel my foot, which is now kind of. I, well, I can't feel my legs and, or, uh, you know, my, so obviously I can't feel my foot, but I'm now, it's not protected by a shoe and I have a son who's crawling around a lot and I looked down at him the other day and I was like, where is he? And it was at the bottom of my feet and he was just hitting my toe with a wooden dinosaur. It's <laughs> like, I mean, I can't do anything about that. Just, I didn't know he was doing it. And he was just like this, bang, 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 bang. <laughs> and I was like, I'm sorry. Yeah, so yeah please, please, please don't do that. And he just looked up at me and went, this is a fun game, isn't it, daddy? <laughs> I was like, 
<laughs> Try the other foot that's in the shoe. You know? <laughs> and so you think like, what can I do? Like, what can you do about that? That's not me being clumsy. That's not being careless. That's not me kind of like pushing my limits or doing extreme sports. That's literally me sat watching the telly where my son, unawares, has crawled over and hit my toe with a dinosaur. And so you think like, oh, if I get injured from that, then then so be it, you know. And actually it yeah. may have been something really innocuous. And actually what I, I've put it down to, and you sort of think, you know, it's like it's only afterwards these sort of things dawn on you. Like I I don't wear my trainers out because I don't walk in them. So the soles don't get... So I have pairs of trainers that are maybe 10, 50, that are now considered vintage. And so I have like, I don't wear like slippers, but I have a pair of like, house trainers that I kind of wear but I realized I've been wearing these trainers for like 20 years and if I had got a nick in my like a little break in my skin yeah. the amount of stuff that must have been in those trainers for 20 years and I was like oh so I just put them in the bin and I was like I don't know if that's the cause but at least I know I'm trying to do something yeah to minimize it happening again and I think that's part of it is you've just got to be like right that happened I don't want it to happen again I have to live my life, but I have to move on. And I have to I have to feel as though that word control, whether it's an illusion or whether or not it exists or whether or not you... I have to feel as though I have an element of control. So me putting the trainers in the bin may do nothing, but it feels as though it's me having an element of control of putting those trainers in the bin. Yeah. You know, me, I don't know, doing whatever. It's me thinking, right, I'm taking control of this. I'm in charge. And if something happens, something happens, but it's not through just giving up. And um, also then just accepting that it is like, it's all right to be frustrated. I think, you know, this sense of having to be resilient or put on a brave face or be like, actually, I actually, I'm really fed up, you know, and I'm fed up because uh, and there's no pep talk that anyone can give you that it's like, oh, it'll be all right, you know, and be kind. And, yeah. and as yoga teachers, we're su- that's what we're supposed to preach. We're supposed to preach, love your body, you know, and be kind. <laughs> exactly. and your body is amazing and it's your body. It's the only body you've been given. And all of that is true. But it doesn't mean sometimes you can't go, I'm really fed up with it. And I'm seeing that person over there and they're doing X, Y, Z. And I wish I could do that. And then what you have to say is that person probably is dealing with their own stuff that you can't yeah. see. And so it's a bit like social media is you only see what people post. You don't see what's going on behind the posts and you know, their, their life of whatever they've curated on online is very different offline. And so comparing yourself to other people is very, very natural and it's totally yeah. okay, but is ultimately futile. Very true. That's very true. And it's so tempting, right? It's so easy because there's so much to compare to. What I also find interesting, and I'm noticing this also, like when I teach my classes, at the end of a class the other day, someone said to me, I should be able to do this. And we were talking about dancer pose and we were going through, like I gave, we built it up, like really from just shifting the weight to one foot or imagining shifting the weight to one foot even. Not, you know, starting from there and then slowly find, okay, where is your dancer pose in this moment? And she said, I should be able to lift my foot, hold it with my hand and come into this full-on version of dancer pose that's all over Instagram. That's not what she said, but that's for people Mm. to understand. Um, Because I used to be able to do this. 
And that just, it hit something with me because I think we are our own worst enemy sometimes, thinking that we should be able to do things, whereas that might not be reasonable, it might not be even doable, or maybe it is just, um, how do you say that? It's something that we put on ourselves without even knowing where it comes from. Because mm-hmm. who says that you need to be able to do that, right? Where where in your mind did that come from? And mm-hmm. I find that super interesting. And for me, that's not like dancer pose. It's like um, for, for the last year, it's been walking downstairs without pain. It's not been possible. There's been mm-hmm. pain always. And every now and then that voice in the back of my head says, I should be able to. But then again, sometimes I think, but why? I wish I could be able but yeah. who says I should be? Yeah. It's, this is apparently how it is, and it sucks. And I really yeah. am glad that I get to talk about people who know me well and just, you know, without them trying to fix it, they will listen to me. I want to say complain, but it's not even complaining. They li- they'll let me vent. Yeah. But there's this thought that then makes it even worse because then on top of the pain, on top of the frustration, you also add the disappointment by thinking that you should be able to do something. And like disappointment right. is really bad. It's a really yeah. shitty feeling to have, right? Yeah, oh, exactly right. I think like it's really interesting that you, that the use of the word should because that I think is, is like I should be able to do this. And I don't know, I, I, maybe it's trying to kind of reframe that. I don't know. I'm sort of thinking out loud here. But mm-hmm. is, is I sometimes have to sort of try and say to myself, I used to be able to do that, which is slightly different because yeah. I used to be able to do that, but I can't do that now. But I can do this or I can adapt in a different way. And I think if you're... I, I stubbornly try and do things that I used to be able to do because, as you say, like I should be able to do that. I should be able to pick my son up off the floor. I should be able to, like, put a shoe on. you know i should be able to and actually i think like well i used to be able to do that but i do this now and this is how it is now you know uh, and um i guess like i i get real i have real anxiety about getting old because what i don't want to do is continue to have my independence chipped away at and there's a difference i guess between uh i've always often thought the sort of asking for help i've always stubbornly thought i don't want to ask for help i don't want to do this i don't want to do that but actually, asking for help on your own terms is still independence because you're choosing the moment that you say to someone, I need some help. Yes. And actually, it's quite empowering to be able to say, I need help. And actually, it's, it carries a lot of weight now at home because I don't often ask for help at home. But if I say, I need your help to do this, then my wife says, all right, OK, that's important then because you don't often ask for help. And I think that's something I'm trying to learn is actually... For the like, I could find a way of lifting this heavy thing up off the floor onto a shelf, but sort of, what's the point? Because I'm increasing the risk of injuring myself, and so for yeah. the stubbornness of thinking, I should be able to do that because that person over there can do that. Actually, it's like if I spend an hour trying to do that thing that possibly might injure myself, it means I'm not going to be able to, you know, uh, pick my pick my son up or whatever it is. And I, 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 people don't, don't know on this. I, I 
surf and uh i have this big kind of aesthetic in my head of what i would like to look like as a surfer when i see any photographs or videos i do not look like that aesthetic you know i'm not i'm not stood on a board in a pair of board shorts looking really cool with kind of my sun-kissed hair sort of like especially the, the sun like, hair. yeah <laughs> i sort of like I, I i lie flat on a board like I've fallen out of a skyscraper and landed on a surfboard and my legs that aren't straight look like frog's legs and they sort of hang off the edges of the board. And I, But I have to remind myself, I, I, I feel great when I'm surfing, but I don't feel great when I see the pictures back because I don't look like this image that I want to look like. But can, can I and, just interrupt you for one moment? Because obviously I've seen these photos. Yeah. You do not look like you fell out of a skyscraper. <laughs> you look like you're surfing and you're having a blast because the smile on your face is amazing so that's, that's also like how you see yourself and your expectations exactly. there right yeah yeah exactly and I, that's the, that's what i was going to come on to and i think that's exactly right but also i've had to kind of continually build up the sort of safety element of it which i don't want to do i, I want to just be on a in a pair of shorts on a surfboard but yeah. i've had to kind of get uh i've had a, you know i have to wear a wetsuit and I, the last time i went surfing i really cut my legs so i've now had to get a new wetsuit with some knee pads in i I got hit on the back of the head by another surfer surfed into mm. me the last time I went and hit me on the head. And then the then in the same session, the board hit me on the head after I came off. And oh, so no. now I've got a helmet. And I'm like, I don't want to wear a helmet. But I'm like, actually, there's only so much times you can do stuff without thinking my look's going to run out at some point. And, you know, trying to just kind of take these extra precautions. And that aesthetic thing and the way that you look... It's that, that continual fight between how you look, how you feel, and how you perceive that you're being seen by others, that actually yes. none of it matters. We've, we've just done something um, for uh, Manduka where we shared some pictures of using some of their um, new collaboration with, with, yeah. with Adrienne. And I took some videos of me using these products and i and i i i very nearly didn't share them because i i didn't like how i looked while i was on the mat doing a forward fold over my legs because i just felt like my, i could see my my spine wasn't straight my legs were crooked and in the end i was like that's my pose that's how i do yoga that i felt great doing it but i didn't like how it looked and i didn't want to share that externally and I was like, oh, you know, life's too short to kind of get caught up on that. But I did for 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 a while actually. I was like, I'm not going to share these, and I was really down because I was like, everyone else is going to share these really cool photos and these cool videos of them of on these mats. And I think that, you know, it, it is about just deal with yourself and just kind of focus on how how you feel and because uh, that that is the only thing you can control. I mean, you can't control how others perceive you you can't control what other people think of you you can't control random stuff that's going to happen to you but you can at least control you know giving yourself a break i think yes. that is that is something you can have an input into yeah i love that you say that because that is that is something that's good to remind yourself of every now and then that you can consciously choose to look at yourself with kinder eyes you can make that decision right even though it's hard and it might not feel as real or as sincere when you start doing it the more often you do it 
the easier it becomes to be kind to yourself as well, I think. And I love what you're saying because when you were talking about the helmet, for instance, I was thinking of uh, using props in a yoga class as well. Mm. Like there's, um, at least where I teach, a lot of the places where I go, people have like, I don't know, it's like beneath them somehow to use props because they don't need that. They're good yogis. And just to make sure everyone got that sarcasm, it's, you know, I'm joking here because for me, the good yogi is the yogi that takes care of his body, his or her body. Mm -hmm. And using props is showing your body that you care about it and that you are willing to do whatever it needs to make this pose fit you. And using props is smart, I think. Because just because you can do something doesn't mean you have to do it, right? Totally agree. Uh, yeah, and I, I love that, at least in my little corner of the yoga world, people are more and more starting to use their props and it's becoming like second nature to them. I see people, without thinking about it, reaching for a yoga block in certain poses and placing it wherever they need it. And when I was um, unpacking uh, my Manduka stuff, I was so happy that I got a block because I... I love these foam blocks because I use them in so many poses because they'll just hold up a leg here or I have short arms compared to most people. My arms are extremely short, so I will use them to uh, find more support of the ground. Getting over the idea that that might look like I am not a good yogi or that I'm not flexible enough. Actually, I'm over flexible, so I use the props to make sure I don't injure myself. But getting over it the way that it looks took some time as well because when I started mm -hmm. doing yoga way back when I too thought that it was um, like almost like a defeat to show people that I would use a, a yoga block somewhere and I'm like no look at me being smart like it's that mindset like look I'm not afraid to be smart and show you that I need this to make this pose so much better for me and that's what I'm hoping not to only give people on the mat during their practice, but as a little, like placing this little gold nugget in their brain, like I can control how I see this. And if I truly believe that this is a good or smart thing to do, then the rest of the people, well, for one, it doesn't matter, but they might also start believing that for them. Like it spreads, right. I think, right? The more we are confident about our choices, the more we empower others to be confident about theirs. Oh, 100%. I, for me now, props, I, I used to be exactly the same. I used to hate using props, but now I'm like, the challenge is to see how many props I can use. I'm like, I right, what can, I, what can I use? <laughs> what can I bring in? Because I think I saw um, uh, Giovanni Heyman, who, who's a, a yeah. accessible yoga teacher, I saw a video that he was doing of a, a seated handstand, which is basically where he takes a block, lifts it above his head, and then brings the block down behind his head, and then you lean your head onto the block. And that That is a handstand in reverse. And I, I love the th thought of actually, yeah, you can do a handstand seated. You don't need to be yeah. on the floor. And, and, and for me, actually, it's like, how cool is it then that you're able to kind of say, yeah, I can do a seated crow or I can do a handstand or whatever it might be because you're using you're bringing props in and what you're doing is you're bringing the floor to you 
rather than you having to fight and be in pain to try and get to the floor, you know, fight, trying to fight for that extra inch that might not be there. And so it's really uncomfortable without turning this into a, an advert for the, for the Manduka stuff that that I, I received a bolster and I used this bolster and I was like, where have you been all my, all my (laughs) life? Because actually I really really like bolsters, but I, I find you know, uh, a restorative pose that is quite common is to is to lie on the floor with a bolster behind you, kind of at the, you know, starting at your sacrum, and then you kind of lean over it, and your back curves around it. For me, the way, the shape that my back is, if a bolster is is firm, it doesn't want to shape in the shape of a bolster. It doesn't want to kind of lie on the bolster in that way. It wants to lie in an S shape. Yeah. So I find like reclining in say fish poles over a bolster incredibly painful um but this bolster it's so soft that it kind of just molded to my to my body and i was like i could stay here for hours i mean this is so comfy um and i think it's then trying to find the right prop for you and it doesn't have to be uh, uh what then made me realize was actually a bolster is just three pillows yeah bound together with a with a scarf you know or a, a strap is a a dressing gown yep. tie or, or a shawl a, yep. yeah or a, a, a block is a, a recipe book or a roasting pan or, or, you know it's whatever it might be but it, it's just helping to kind of do those and then what that is is that actually why only have that philosophy in yoga this is the point of yoga is it's actually it's not just what you do on the mat it's what you do in your life and and if you if a prop helping you to do a forward fold or a down dog or whatever it might be makes it easier then why not have props in the rest of your life to just make it a bit easier and occasionally if a prop might be the person you live with that you have to ask some help so be it but now i have like a i have a little grab hand it's like a that you might Mm -hmm. pick up rubbish with off the floor yeah. And I just sit now. So I pass my son all of his toys that he's throwing around the floor because continually leaning down to pick stuff off the floor is painful. So I just have this, and I was like, "That's so easy." And I have now like a a a, a board. Uh, it's called a sliding board, like a transfer board. But I was really struggling to lift him from my knee and, and put him into his pram. Now I just place this this board on my knee and then I place the other side in the pram and I slide him in and he thinks it's the greatest thing ever and I think it's the greatest thing ever because I'm not having to like lift him but all the time what I'm doing is I'm still able to then move my son in a way that I want to do without asking for help without being in pain in a way that's actually making him smile so I'm like actually why would I not be using these different adaptations that is actually just making life easier and sometimes that's where I think it probably you know trying to take those things that maybe we preach to other people about using on the mat and that you then do yourself because you want to show that and then you come out of the studio or out of your room or wherever it is that you do your yoga and then you forget all of that because you think right I'm then going to stubbornly crack on doing these things and, and actually sometimes it is just trying to find the kind of like the life props that make things a bit easier while still being able to be compassionate to yourself and your body by thinking these props aren't going to stop things from happening it's just going to make life a little bit easier and then when the next thing crops up that you have to deal with then you'll find another prop and just deal with it in a different way yeah yeah I, I love that ticking it off the mat is so 
important and sometimes you forget. So it's really good to keep reminding yourself of that. And I think the one thing that will always be hard is that sometimes you need to use props for things that you never thought you would have to use props for. And that's, it's okay, right? You have to keep telling yourself it's okay to be frustrated. It's okay to be angry. It's okay to laugh about it because sometimes that's my defense mechanism and I just get really giddy about not being able to do something. But also, maybe that's that's another form of control, giving yourself space to feel that instead of mm. thinking that you have to be strong. Because when I was growing up, a lot of people used to say, oh, you're so strong because your body is failing you all the time, but you're still doing all these things. So I had this image that I, that, that was a good thing you know, because people say, oh, such a strong girl. And that felt like a badge of honor. But that also made it really hard to not be seen as strong, mm. but to break down and get frustrated and angry or sad. So I tended to hide that a little bit. And now I'm also, you know, a lot older, obviously, but you get that realization that that's other people's perception of you. Mm. And that's not necessarily how it needs to feel for you all the time. Sure, I feel strong every now and then. And I feel extremely vulnerable and breakable at, at other times. Um, and it's okay if people sometimes only see one side. as It doesn't mean I have to hide the other side. And I think that's something that I have needed a lot of reminding about. Yeah. But it's starting to seep in. It's really important, though, Biddy. I think because... What people see as well is that actually they only see what's happened in the moment. So they might see you, I don't know, uh, helping somebody push something, as you say, and then you've injured yeah. yourself and you might be like, oh, this is, you know, and then like completely lose it. And they're like, wow, that, that's an overreaction. Like, come on, you just, that could have happened to anybody. And that I get that all the time. It's like, I've been, I've for whatever reason, I've had a, a target on my elbow because I, I every every day I bang my elbow on something, and I just lost it the other. I was like absolutely howling at this wind because I was like I'm sick of. So it, to anybody else that's seen that, like this guy's just banged his elbow on the yeah. on, on the car door, and he's like completely lost it. And what what people don't see is the every single thing that's built up on top of that that's caused that reaction, and I think sometimes you just have to be able like. Oh, I just don't care what anybody thinks. What matters is how I feel in this moment. Yeah. And it is okay to feel how you feel. It's okay to feel frustrated. It's okay. Because I, I, I think where we were talking about the word should, like I should be able to do that. And so the one is like, I should be able to deal with this without getting cross. I should be able to not like, you know, I, 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 I'm resilient. I'm strong. I'm whatever. I'm emotionally able to deal with all of this stuff. And it's all nonsense because actually it's okay. It's absolutely okay to be like, I feel really pissed off today. I feel really pissed off. And if nobody understands, it doesn't matter because this is how I feel. This is how I feel. And so it's valid in this moment. And if nobody understands, that doesn't matter. What you can then do is like you then have the control about how long that's going to last for, as we were talking about before. Yeah. But I think just cutting yourself a break for being frustrated sometimes and just being okay with that, I think is really, is really important. Yeah, I agree. Thank you for talking about this. 
I don't know how it is for you, but for me, it's always a little bit of a difficult topic to talk about. Mm. But I'm really glad because somehow with you, things flow easily in conversation. <laughs> and I think a lot of people might recognize things. So I'm very curious if anyone has anything they want to share or if they have any thoughts or maybe even tips on how they deal with things. I would love to hear from them. And um, I'll share the link to Giovanni in the um description as well if people want to check him out because um yeah I, I love his teachings as well it's amazing yeah very 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 important teacher i think i've learned a lot from him just from watching his little instagram videos yeah. that he does and i've tried to incorporate some of that into my new teachings um because i think it's just really it's really key but yeah thank you biddy that's always yeah it's not it's not an easy topic to talk about at all um and it might not be important, but I, I found it quite useful, actually. So even if nothing else, Me it's too. been quite yes. cathartic to get some of that off my chest. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. The same here. Yeah. yeah. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thanks, Biddy. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to Show Up and Surrender. I hope you enjoyed this episode. For more information about the podcast and about our guests, go to showupandsurrender.com. On our tips page there, you can also find links to anything that we may have mentioned and ways to connect to our guests. We'll be back soon with another episode of Show Up and Surrender. I hope you'll join us.